Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Dear Alana is released weekly and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to binge the whole season right now, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes throughout the season. For more information, check out the show notes. Enjoy the episode. The following episode contains references to suicide. If you or someone you know is in need of help, please contact the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988. Listener discretion is advised. It's 2013, school starting at the University of Colorado Boulder, and everything's happening on the Hill. New people, new classes, parties, the club's fair. There's Frisbee on Farron Field. The CU Buffalo's football season is just getting started, and there are mounds of pizza boxes and beer cups piling up outside the frat houses. CU Boulder wasn't Alana's first choice. In her senior year of high school, she begged her mother to let her go to Wyoming Catholic College, a traditional-leaning school with an outdoor leadership program. Father Dave even wrote her her recommendation letter. But at the last minute, Alana decided to stay local. She was already really involved with St. Tom's, which happened to be the center of all things Catholic at CU Boulder. And St. Tom's was in full bloom. They host a welcome barbecue for all the new students, and there are all these really nice, good-looking college grads hanging out and getting to know all the freshmen. Everyone's talking about this conference that's happening in the winter called SEEK. Alana signs up. Welcome to SEEK! Picture 10,000 Catholic students from across the country convening in Nashville for a week. We got people from all over the Midwest and places like Nebraska and Colorado. There are giant stadium masses, men's and women's sessions. Women, you have to have a posse of women. Women need a posse. Why? Because women hate each other. As a guy, you want the Lord and you want the lady. So I want to lay a foundation of top 10 tips you can do to date your soulmate. Incredible music. Dozens of young priests ready to hear your confession. Nuns walking around. A rousing call to change the world. Would you please consider the world is waiting for you, is waiting for you to live in divine intimacy, authentic friendship, and in this ability to live in the little way. And the talks. I began a career in fashion and in modeling. I was on America's Next Top Model. Stories of wandering through the empty promises of modern culture. 
into a life of real fulfillment. And yet I was completely not at peace. I wanted more. And the only person who could give me more was Christ. But the highlight of the week is an evening of worship music and prayer. The priest in his gold vestments burns incense around the altar. And the worship team builds up the emotion. Isn't he? And in this crowd of scared and excited young people, all kneeling, eyes closed, tonight offers a glimpse of what life could be like with thousands of others who believe what you believe, who found the answers to the confusion and uncertainty about the future that you've secretly felt. And you begin to wonder if maybe heaven feels something like this. From Tenderfoot TV, I'm Simon Kent Fung, and this is Dear Alana. Part 5. Piece of the Pie I answered the door. I should have probably put two and two together, but I know that she was in trouble and that it wasn't good, so I remember she left and I was crying, 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 and just really confused. When the police and nun first arrived at their door, Alana's younger sister, Sophia, had no clue why they were there. She didn't know that Alana had told a friend about her plans to die by suicide. But how did she get here? These plans didn't come from nowhere. What else was going on while she was in college, besides her therapy? I decided to extend my trip in Boulder. Before I can go forward in the story, I have to go back to her college years, those pivotal years that led up to this breaking point. Today, I'm walking through Alana's old neighborhood by the CU Boulder campus. I want to see for myself the places where Alana would have spent most of her time. On this weekday, students are recovering from last night's party, walking home from their frat houses. My introverted self couldn't imagine living here. And then I see it. St. Tom's, the church that Alana would sneak out to where she first met Father Dave, where she found her therapist. And when she went to college, this church became her home, away from home. I walk a little further and find myself in front of a building that says St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center. There are students coming in and out of the building, one of whom holds the door for me. And as I walk in, I'm expecting to see some sort of worship space. But instead, I enter what looks like a full-fledged coffee shop. It's got a kind of target decor with a wood-paneled accent wall and geometric wallpaper. I look up at a framed, hand-lettered quote that says, All I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And also, um, what kind of sandwiches? Oh, there we are. So how did all this come to be, this religious haven on a secular campus? The man behind all of this, who's been leading St. Tom's for the past 12 years, is a priest named Father Peter Musset. He's in his mid-40s, which is young for a Catholic priest. He's affable and enthusiastic, and you can hear the joy in his voice when he talks about his work, like in this interview with the campus newspaper. I love being a priest in Boulder like I cannot tell you. I've talked to somebody and they're like, oh, you're, you're Catholic, and they're like, oh, my cathedral is the woods. 
And you, you know what's great is that's wonderful. Well, then talk to me about how you experience God within the woods. Like, there's all these really cool starting places that you can have within Boulder. You get the picture an outgoing guy who seems engaged with students. Joyce remembers the first time she saw Father Peter when Alana brought her to Mass at St. Tom's. I'd never seen a priest look like him. Sometimes he'd have a man bun. Sometimes he'd just have curly, curly hair, long Birkenstocks. He just was cool. In the articles I read, that cool man bun look earned Father Peter the nickname the hipster priest. But it wasn't just his appearance that was appealing. When I first heard him give a homily, I couldn't believe it. Like, he was so funny. I was like, that was a crazy dream. And he made the homily understandable, and and then he brought humor into it. So I loved it. And I had friends come and hear him. Like, I just was like, this is the best. In so many ways, Father Peter is exactly the kind of priest I dreamt of becoming. Young, dynamic, orthodox. He's appointed as administrator for St. Tom's in 2011, when Alana is still in high school, just as Father Dave, Alana's spiritual director, gets reassigned from St. Tom's. Joyce remembers wondering about the reassignment. And that's when I went and met with Father Peter, because I just trusted him so many times. I met with him, and I was like, do I have anything to be worried about? Why is he made to leave? She recalls Father Peter reassuring her that Father Dave's leaving is not a big deal, how they were both roommates in seminary and she had nothing to worry about, and that Father Dave was leaving for other personal reasons. And I was like, are they getting him any help? And he said, no, he's just going to go to another parish because the parishioners here got upset with some things. And I was concerned, but I trusted Father Peter, and then I thought, thank God he's leaving. With Father Dave out of the picture and Father Peter, the hipster priest, as the new sheriff in town, Joyce was relieved. She felt like Alana was now in good hands. What she didn't know was that Alana had a different idea of what would be good for her. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Back at the University of Colorado, Alana is thriving. She's joined the collegiate frisbee team, and she makes a ton of new friends at St. Tom's. She's become close with Father Peter, who she calls FP, and kind of dives into it all at the Catholic Center. She's volunteering at the St. Tom's Adoration Chapel, becoming a leader for their fall retreat, 
and organizing students every week to give sandwiches out to the homeless. But what she seems most excited about is moving off campus into an apartment with four other Catholic girls where they do weekly rosaries and Bible studies together. Freshman year. Zeal. Martyrdom. Sainthood. Here are all the things I'm grateful for. The missionary disciples, talking to Laura and Carissa, sending out the emails, mass this morning, signing the lease. Goal. Make disciples. Win. Build. Send through missionary service to the homeless. Alana's clearly in her element. I feel like I'm starting to get a pretty good picture of what her college experience was like. St. Tom's seems to provide a kind of alternative to the mainstream activities found at a party school like CU. It's like, instead of going to the bar crawl on Friday, let's hang out at the St. Tom's coffee shop and talk about our walk with God. I would have totally signed up. Up until college, my faith was very private and devotional, but I soon stumbled into a more intellectual side of Catholicism, a side that equipped me with debate-level knowledge so that I could defend the church and win arguments. I discovered an entire industry of books and conferences dedicated to this. Alana gets a good dose of this at the Nashville conference you heard at the beginning, where Father Peter brings a contingent of 90 CU students. After a reverent stadium mass, the music dies down and everyone settles in. The speaker takes the stage. The worldview that we're going to attack today is relativism. Say that word with me. Relativism, a philosophical concept that most of the students have probably never heard of. It's the idea that there is no truth. The truth is relative to what each person believes. So it does away with this idea that there's objective truth. You can think of relativism as license to do whatever you want. Now, most people are not relativists when it comes to things that are scientifically verifiable. And no one's going to say, you know, two plus two is five for me. That's my truth. Don't impose your four on my five. You closed-minded Catholics. He's ripping on his critics. But we're relativists when it comes to everything else. How do I make a moral decision? Definitions of marriage, anything like that. We think that's stuff that people make up for themselves. There is no such thing as truth. Hitler said that. Even Hitler was a relativist. That puts it into perspective. See, if your God lets you do whatever you want, your God is you. If there's no objective truth out there about morals, where does your moral compass point? It points to the all-powerful question, what feels right? I remember hearing talks like this and feeling like I couldn't trust myself. Only God was objective. And it was my duty to defend him against a wider culture that was dead set on attacking us for our beliefs. We know there is persecution that is occurring against Christians. Surrounded by this culture that has so much craziness in it. How do we live in a culture like this? You know, a culture of moral relativism. I, I want to talk about the- With the culture against us, what were we to do? The answer was to fight back with objective truth. And the way to discover that objective truth was through the superpowers of the church, which Catholics believe has a direct and historical line to God, kind of giving us the cheat codes to the video game of life. And it seems to have worked. Some of the most famous scientific discoveries, like the Big Bang, were discovered by Catholic priests. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights was kickstarted by a Catholic philosopher. And you know who else is Catholic? Six of the nine U.S. Supreme Court justices. He started the hospital system, started the university system, maybe, you know, largest social service provider on the planet. 
Heck, even Stephen Colbert teaches Catholic Sunday School. God must be backing this, right? So you can understand how drawn I was to this church, and why young college students like Alana would also be captivated. The talk ends with a call to be a saint. You see, you becoming holy is not just about you. We live in a world that's forgotten its way. It's forgotten that life has any purpose. And the answer God sends is you. I picture Alana hearing this and feeling like he's talking directly to her. She too wanted to be holy and perfectly united with God, a saint to save those around her. And by her sophomore year, Alana was well known throughout the St. Tom's community. With her quiet devotion and commitment to the homeless, it was obvious she was on a fast track to becoming a saint. Even younger students had heard of Alana Chen's religious reputation before meeting her. But what really got everyone talking was her friendship with a boy named Micah. Here's Alana describing him on her timeline. Micah. Met at St. Tom's. First guy to be close to. Gentleman. Adventurous. Sensitive. Joyful. Vulnerable. Healthy boundaries. Soulmate? Partner in sainthood. Micah's tall, dark, and handsome. He goes with Alana to visit the homeless under the bridge on Sundays. They both love hiking the Flatirons by the campus together. And what makes Micah special is that, like Alana wanting to become a nun, Micah wants to become a priest. This gets everyone talking, and the are-they-aren't-they speculation of these two good-looking saints in the making makes them a kind of Catholic power couple. But Micah and Alana are both figuring out their vocations, how God is calling them to serve the church, which means picking from one of three options. Marriage, becoming a priest or a nun, or staying single. In the fall, the Dominican sisters visited our campus. It's hard to describe, but after hearing their vocation stories, my heart was burning. The sister said even though she wanted to be married and have children, it was okay. That made her vocation even more pure. I asked Jesus to make my vocation pure, so I asked for the desire to be married and have kids. In the next couple of weeks, my best male friend asked me on a date. We both liked each other, and even though I was asserting to be a sister, and he a priest, I said yes. Alana's older sister, Carissa, remembers that first date. It was like a big deal at the Chen house that she was going on this date, and he picked her up, and like we had all met him. He's super nice, he's handsome. They finished their date that evening at the chapel at St. Tom's, praying together. I liked him a lot. He was very holy. This increased my desire for marriage, but also my desire to be a sister. As we dated, I constantly felt torn. I asked many people for advice, but no one would tell me what to do. Then I understood that Jesus was leaving me the free choice. Alana's facing the dilemma of whether to become a nun or to marry. This might seem like she's getting ahead of herself with Micah. Like, they're only going on dates, why is she thinking about marriage? But for Catholics, when it comes to discerning your vocation, it's really important to get it right. Picking the wrong one is like missing out on what God wanted you to be, so the stakes are high. I remember the many journals I wrote asking God to help me discover my vocation. There was nothing more I wanted than to follow God's will perfectly. And everything in me was pointing to the priesthood. For me, 
Marriage wasn't something that had ever crossed my mind, but the thought of becoming a priest, not having a family of my own and serving God's family full time, filled me with a deep sense of peace and joy. Father William, my spiritual director, told me that these were all signs of a vocation to the priesthood. Not every young Catholic man feels this way. Alana takes her vocational discernment very seriously. She dates Micah and also attends retreats with Mother Teresa's nuns in New York to see which one speaks to her more. Please answer me, God. Hear my cry when I call to you. Father told me not to even think about my vocation until the last day of my retreat with the sisters. Already, it's all I think about. Should I listen to Father Dave, my spiritual director, or should I look and ask you in prayer about my vocation? It's been nearly three years since Father Dave has left St. Tom's. So why is Alana still referring to him as her spiritual director? What no one knows is that Alana has been in touch with Father Dave behind her mother's back this entire time. Alana's mother had forbidden her from meeting with Father Dave unsupervised when she was a young teen. But by college, it's clear that Alana has been ignoring her mom. Who are you on the phone with, Alana? And then she'd finally tell me. She wouldn't tell me right away. And then I was really mad because you're not supposed to be talking to him anymore. And she's like, it's on the phone. It's not in person. She'd get upset. While other teenagers might rebel by drinking and breaking curfew, Alana's form of rebellion is talking to her priest on the phone. I managed to get a hold of the phone they're talking about. Her family was able to unlock it, but Joyce has never been able to look through it in any depth. It's too painful. I asked her if she would be okay if I did. Please guard it with your life, she says. There's a lot on the phone, and it takes me nearly two weeks to comb through it. I discover that Alana and Father Dave were communicating even more than what Joyce was aware of, especially by text. They text almost weekly, sometimes several times a week. And as I read through their conversations, I discover more layers to their relationship. They joke about their Myers-Briggs personality types, Alana's an INFP, and Father Dave shares how hard it's been with all of his reassignments. He sends her selfies, shares the occasional food pic, and they schedule times to talk on the phone. He asks her how bad her temptations are on a scale of one to 10. She replies, eight. Then at the end of her junior year at CU, Alana texts him, happy Father's Day, you are a good father, I love you. He replies, thank you, I love you too. I was looking for you on Facebook since I joined. You're very smart for not being on it. Father Dave and Alana's text messages look more like two friends talking rather than an older man and a young woman seeking spiritual direction. While there are no hard and fast rules to spiritual direction, I'm not sure where the line is. And even though I was close with my spiritual director, it never looked quite like this. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. 
I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With a new community of religious peers, people like Micah and others at St. Tom's who are as invested in their faith as Alana is, Alana tries hard to keep up with her old friends. But mixing friend groups would prove to be complicated. Here's Nee again, the Frisbee captain. One of the more defining things that year was my friend Kelsey, who was dating this other girl at the time. There was a holiday party that... Alana had invited uh, myself, Kelsey, and Kelsey's partner, too. It happened to be at Peter Musset's house. Peter Musset is Father Peter, you know, the hipster priest. After the party, Nee picked up on something. Kelsey and their partner were really uncomfortable. At that point, I had realized, like, maybe it's best to not be in the same spaces as, like, Alana's church friends because of the way that, like, you know, Kelsey feels uncomfortable and Kelsey feels judged. And at that point, I think neither of us had known that Alana was gay. So I really don't know if Alana, you know, brought the three of us there to just like make those spaces a little bit safer. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that Alana wanted us there. I asked Joy, Alana's best friend since kindergarten, what she remembers about Alana's new church friends. So I remember one time this this girl said to me, like, yeah, yeah, it's great that you go to church, you know, but it's just kind of like you have one piece of the pie. As a, as a Protestant and, and Catholics, we have the whole pie. And I just, I, like, knew. I was like, what? That's, <laughs> no. <laughs> so she never did. Did she ever try to convert you to Catholicism? No, she did not. People that she was friends with did. While Lana never tried to convert Joy, or any of her old friends for that matter, her new friends weren't making a great impression on her old friends, or her mom. Here's Joyce, recalling a time when Alana had her church friends over. There was that one time when I was in my house, and I overheard them talking about abortion should be murder one. And I remember going in the dining room, and I didn't want to embarrass Alana or anything, but I was like, you really think that? Like, I was like, murder one? I said, you know how people, some people suffer after they have an abortion for years. They feel bad, they, if, especially if they can't have children. And it's not an easy thing, but murder one? First degree murder, punishable in some states by death. Alana's new friends become yet another source of conflict between her and her mom. I remember one day dropping her off to that apartment complex and we had a discussion and it turned into a debate where she, and she started crying and told me, you think I'm weird. And I don't know if it was about a Republican-Democrat thing or, again, with the abortion. And she was crying and she ran out of my car. And I remember I thought, I can't, I, I can't lose my daughter. I have to stop. Joyce rationalizes her decision to back off. 
she loves these friends and she's she's good she look look what she does like she's so good she helps the poor the homeless she loves god i didn't know though this other thing i didn't know this other thing the secret sunday went to practice should not have gone need to let go of ultimate so many desires and temptations. It made me regret choosing this college. Sophomore year. Core leader at St. Tom's, but lonely. Unsure. Burning out. Overworked. Dishonest with God. Ashamed. Struggling with same-sex attraction. Alana's clearly having a hard time with her SSA. In an email she writes to Father Dave during her sophomore year, she tries to distance herself from these temptations. Remember, up until now, she hasn't told her friends or her family about any of this. This week has been filled with grace, but it was also kind of rough. Two of my girlfriends from high school Ultimate recently came out and are in a relationship together. Then today, I'm told that another girl, a friend at St. Tom's, is struggling with homosexuality. Although she remains chaste, she deals with the loneliness by drinking and partying, and she's growing further and further away from God. And in the midst of this, she journals about her relationship with Micah. One day, I was reading a book about St. Therese, but I was so distracted by the situation. I was not paying attention to the words. I stopped reading and began to pray. Lord, if you are giving me the free choice, then, searching the depths of my soul, I cannot date Micah anymore. I choose to give my heart to you. I ended my prayer and began to read where I had left off. The words read, Here on earth, love proves itself by free choice. Jesus wants to be chosen. He wants to be preferred. Then I knew I had made the right choice. We stopped dating. He was fine, since he wanted to be a priest. It's so funny, the parallels, you know? Like, I, I always thought that, you know, I, I used, I tried dating girls, too, you know? You did. I always felt like there was moments where I was like, but the vocation to the priesthood is what my calling is, and so I can't. And so I kind of, I kind of tricked myself into being like, I'm choosing this other thing that's, you know, that's my calling, and can't date those girls but, but you know really I wasn't into it into yeah. it yeah it's torturous it's torturous interspersed between scholarship applications and writing assignments are a bunch of her notes titled healthy sexuality it's a kind of summary of the catholic teaching on sex healthy sexuality Sexuality affects all aspects of the human person in the unity of his body and soul. Sex is designed for both union and procreation. Sex as God intended is for one man and one wife in a committed lifelong marriage relationship. Masturbation turns this energy in on oneself. Masturbation is a symbol of selfishness and loneliness. Masturbation, fornication, adultery, contraception, do not image God's free, total, faithful, and fruitful love. For a lot of people, these restrictions seem out of date. 
But for many Catholics, the church's job is precisely to not change because God's truth doesn't change. He's not a relativist, remember, as we learned from the conference speaker. By the time I get to Alana's notes on homosexuality, it's not surprising what I find. Persons with same-sex attraction who act out sexually can never become one body with their partner, since their sexual organs cannot be united and there is no possibility of creating another person through a one-flesh union. This could only amount to mutual masturbation. Same-sex attraction is disordered and not according to God's plan. For young people trying desperately to follow God's plan, this characterization of homosexual relationships as physiologically incompatible with this plan is impossible to ignore. It burrows deep into our souls, fueling the belief that how we experience relationship is, from God's perspective, broken. And so we hide these feelings behind a red line we must never cross because we can't afford to lose God. We return to the speaker stage. This is from another Catholic conference Alana attended, organized by the Franciscan University of Steubenville. When, when people hear this, they think, well, well what is this, where does it leave me, though? Like, I have these attractions. Like, what, what does this mean? Like, I can, I can never have a family? Like, I, I, I can never get married? Do you trust God's love for you to the extent that you will abandon your own will in order to follow Him? Or do you trust your own will for yourself more than you trust in God, and you'd rather abandon Him than your own will? Alana takes all of this to heart. It's as if she has to do everything possible to prove that she's not abandoning God. My Jesus, there is a lot to do. Marian consecration started yesterday, so here comes a renunciation of the world. Five to six scholarship essays to finish by Thursday, five-page paper due soon, Buffalo Awakening, I need to make name tags and buy snacks, decorate boxes. I need to continue fundraising. Lord, I need your help. Confession. Consent to impure thoughts and same-sex attraction. I let my weakness scare me and forget to trust in God for protection. Always neglecting homework, always eating too much, always picking at skin, always thinking about how others will think of me, not sleeping enough, fall asleep praying. I have haunting, impure dreams. They lead to despair and fear. Junior year, moved back home to save money, overworked, still two jobs, not doing well in school, compulsive masturbation, attracted to every woman I lay eyes on. My life is in shambles. I just want to be clean and free and pure. Midway through her junior year, Alana tears her ACL during a frisbee tournament and needs surgery. It's as if her body is giving out under all the pressure. She moves back home to recover. When she got home, you know, they had told me to get an ice machine, that you should put ice around the clock. So I decided I'm going to stay on the couch with her. And, like, we had a big ice bucket thing on the porch so, you know, I could refill the ice machine. And I just stayed up all night with her. I probably dozed off, but she didn't seem good. Alana seems really down. Recovering from surgery is no fun. So her friends stopped by to cheer her up. I remember her friends kept visiting. Micah came and he cleaned all, like he was cleaning and bringing her food. And I remember thinking, oh, he's so nice. And Katie, her friend from Frisbee, came and Joy and everybody would visit her. But one evening, 
while her mother is with her on the couch, Alana shares what's really been going on. I just kept staying and sleeping on the couch with her, and then she told me she was attracted to women, and she told the priest, and she told me, you know, about masturbation was a mortal sin, and it was lifted for all those years, and it was back, and that school was round the clock with the environmental design, and then she couldn't keep it up with the church hours and the homeless hours, and she was like falling apart. The stress from everything was too much, and Alana couldn't keep it in anymore. Joyce isn't sure what to make of any of it. This completely blindsides her. You know, and I was just shocked. Like, I was, you know, I was just in shock. Joyce describes how horrified she felt that Alana had been carrying the secret all on her own, and she tries her best to comfort her daughter. But as much as Alana seems to be opening up by finally coming out to her mom, she's not sharing the whole picture. She doesn't tell her about what she's been learning in therapy. From this next passage, I find, it looks like the wedge between Alana and her parents that began with Father Dave had been continuing long after he'd left. Father Peter told me that I should not identify by my temptations, for the cause is much deeper than I could imagine. The cause was the doubt and isolation. From a young age, I did not know God. From a young age, I was isolated because of my sexual addiction. I felt so much shame and hopelessness. Because of my parents, I could not relate to them or be known by them. They were too strong, and I was weak. The hipster priest, the one who ironically Joyce trusted, was the person who'd been reinforcing these parental theories. And as I look at Alana's therapy dates with Kate, I realize that it was under Father Peter's leadership that St. Tom's was referring this kind of therapy to the students. The stress leading up to Alana's ACL tear would be compounded with another year of therapy, where Alana tries desperately to fix herself in order to become a nun or a wife, to get to the root of her mother wounds that she's told made her gay. By now, it's becoming clear that this intoxicating sense of belonging to a community with shared black and white values, while comforting, might have drove Alana and me deeper into a profound shame. A shame that's all over Alana's journals. A shame eating away at her sense of self and mental health. A shame that no one else could see. Perhaps it's this shame that led to Alana's suicide scare in her senior year at CU. As her younger sister Sophia explained, a police officer and a nun came to the Chen home and rushed Alana to the hospital. Sophia was left confused and crying after learning that Alana had threatened to kill herself. When Joyce finds out, she races to the ER. I get there to the emergency room. There's a couple of nuns, and then there's Father Peter on his knees praying over Alana. She's crying, and I'm just stunned. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I will follow you. Follow you wherever you may go. Next time on Dear Alana. So she said, When I think of home, I realize I have very few people left. I'm so grateful to have you and that you never gave up on me. I'm finally learning not to give up on myself. How Alana's struggle is interrupted by a friendship that develops into something more. I will follow you. Every-
Dear Alana was created, hosted, and written by me, Simon Kentifang, and is a production of Tenderfoot TV, in association with Aslept Audio and the Center for Independent Documentary. It was produced by Lori Poliski, who also composed the music. Executive producers are myself, Donald Albright, and Payne Lindsay. Our supervising producer is Tracy Leeds Kaplan. Additional music by Makeup and Vanity Set. Sales and distribution by iHeartMedia. Our voice actor is Alana Rabor, and our credit song, I Will Follow You, is by Toulouse. Show notes and resources can be found on our website, dearalana.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please take time to follow the show, rate, and review. There isn't an ocean too deep A mountain so high it could keep Keep me away Away from my love Dear Alana is an eight-part series released weekly If you can't wait until next week, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus so you can binge the entire series right now, ad-free. Head to Apple Podcasts or tenderfootplus.com to subscribe now. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.